Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now launching. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? For the first and goal, Ajayi puts it on the ground. This one is to Thielen. What a throw and catch. And in the open field, Adam Thielen spins down inside the 30. Good win. Nice to, you know, everything tastes a little bit better right now. So, um, be good to get back with it. Second down and two as it took a sack off the board. Now Thielen in the end zone with a flag for the touchdown. Yeah, it's it, it's big. You know, um, the more that you know, we didn't we didn't lose up in Green Bay, but you know, it just keeps the pressure keeps building because we know what kind of team that we possibly can have if we. If we can, uh, you know, overcome some of the things that we're doing, and um, you know, there was a lot, lot of pressure on us uh, to come in here and get get a win. And uh, you know, I thought our guys studied hard this week. I thought they prepared well, and they went out and they fought the rear ends off. Balls out, picked up by the Vikings. Joseph, can he win this long foot race? Linval Joseph, no flags, touchdown, Minnesota. The defense is a very prideful group, and um, you know I think you know after the performance last week, I think they wanted to get back to doing things. And you know I I went into the uh, defensive meeting the other day and told I think it was on Monday or something, and said you know here's what's happening. This is what we got to fix to get doing. And you know and these guys really took to heart about the things that we had to try to accomplish to get better at uh, what we're trying to do. I'm not sure the mojo of the uh, 2017 Vikings Manny Hill is completely back, but I do know that yesterday helped. <laughs> that what we saw yesterday it was helped. extremely important. What was your in in retrospect now was your favorite moment? The Linval Joseph rambling down the field and actually looking pretty doggone good mm-hmm. for the touchdown. Or, or the meme that's going around today of Linval on the sideline getting oxygen <laughs> with the dark sunglasses on. I think that it, might be it's my the favorite. Meme. It's the meme. It's 100% it's the meme. I'm with yes. you. I'm with yes, you. Yes, that was fantastic. Just him just with the the oxygen and breathing. And he had the sunglasses on, too, which was fantastic. Yes. Because he put his sunglasses back on. Yes. And that's, yeah, that's 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 classic Linval. That's great. How much different do you feel this morning now and, and going into the afternoon after that win than you did with the team going to Philadelphia on Friday 
at one, two, and one. And at that point, I thought with one, three, and one looking you right in the face, quite possibly. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I, I thought they were going to get their rear ends kicked yesterday. <laughs> I really did, just because of how everything looked against the Rams the week before. Um, but on, on on second thought, I mean, when you think about them having those extra couple of days to prepare, you know, I think that kind of helped them a little bit. And the fact that a lot of people didn't really give them a whole lot of a chance to to win the game yesterday. And, you know, and I think the Eagles did, did them some favors as well oh, yeah. by uh, some play calling and some decisions by Doug Peterson that mm-hmm. were a little that were a little odd. And. You know, and Carson Wentz just didn't really look like himself. The officials so, helped, too. Yes, the officials the, helped. The roughing the passer call on Bennett oh, was abysmal. Was an atrocious call. Yeah, it was terrible. It was, it was awful. And, you know, but to the Vikings' credit, they took advantage of it, and they, they made the plays that they needed to make. The The Linval play, though, I think really changed everything. I think it changed the, the entire landscape of the game because I think at that point, it's a 3-3 game in the second quarter, and you're still... If you're if you're watching this game and you're a Vikings fan, you're like, ah, okay. And well, Philadelphia was a little bit and, was going down the field a little bit yeah. at that point as well. I think I think that came around what in Vikings territory. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that, it was like a sixty yes. what, sixty-four yard return by yes. ball. Yes. So yeah, I mean that that changed everything for them because the Eagles were moving the ball. It was a three-three game, so you still weren't really sure exactly. How this was going to look. Dan Bailey, I think, at that point, had already missed two kicks. Now yeah, we'll get to that. And uh, <laughs> we'll get we'll so, get to the kicking statistics for your uh, 2018 Vikings. So you're feeling a little uneasy at that point. But then he makes the play, and it's 10-3. And, and I think it was a little bit more of a, uh, you know, breathing a sigh of relief, I think, if you're a Vikings fan. So... Here's where I've changed my my tune a bit to now five weeks into the season. And the Vikings might not be as good as I thought they were going to be, Manny. But where I've changed my tune is I said throughout the summer and in training camp that I thought this conference was going to be absolutely fantastic. I thought this conference was going to be was going to be um, hellish to try and get through. Take a step back five weeks in now, and things yeah. and things will change again a bit. But if you just take a step back and look at this conference now, five weeks into the regular season, it's got some good teams. It's not nearly as tough as, as I thought. Uh, well, Green Green Bay. I mean, that's the Mesa league, Cosby though. I think. I think even across goals. the league, even over oh, yeah. in the AFC, well, the, I think the we're AFC's seeing that. not that good. The, yeah. the AFC, I dismissed. I said if the Vikings were in the AFC, they'd be in fantastic shape. But I thought this was going to be a year that this conference, the NFC in this case, was going to be absolutely outstanding. It's not. The Packers. Mason Crosby missed five field goals. Oh, we, we'll, we'll indoors. get to that too, by the indoors. way. Indoors. Yeah. Um, the Seahawks, I thought, were going to be bad. They, they're they not that good. I thought San Francisco would take a big step with Garoppolo. He's hurt. They're not that good. They yeah. lost to the Cardinals. The Giants we had talked about possibly taking a step up. They're not that good. Washington is surprising at this point, but guess what? They could implode at any point. Mm-hmm. The point being... The Cowboys. Exactly. Are, the Cowboys are a mess right now. And Jason now. Garrett might get fired here. Yeah. The point being is, I thought the Vikings were going to be an outstanding team in a very tough conference. I think that they might be a good team. Not great, but a good team in a conference, though, that's going to give you ample opportunity. And really, how many... 
how many great teams are in the NFC right now? The Rams and probably what the Saints. That's what I'm. Yeah, That's probably the Falcons it. are one and four. The Falcons are. Oh, they off, were terrible off yesterday. The tracks. They were terrible in Pittsburgh yesterday. Quinn might lose his job at some point. I mean, you you do look across the conference now, and you're like, okay, well, the Vikings could still very much win this division. They're right there. Yep. And really, the only dominant teams that you're. I guess you could look at him, and if you're a Vikings fan and be afraid of, is probably the Rams mm-hmm. because you've already seen the Vikings play against them. But and I'm it just wasn't saying, great. I'm just saying, as far as qualifying for the playoffs right oh, now, for sure. yeah, that's that's what I'm getting at. Like you're you're, right. you're probably not going to get a first round bye, but you could win this division at 10, 11 games or 10, 11 wins maybe, and be a three seed, have a home game, and then you know win that home game and get get to the second round and see what happens. But really, outside of the Rams and the Saints, I'm, there's not really another team in the NFC where it's like, oh, boy, I don't know if the Vikings can handle them. You know what I mean? I, yes. I just I don't I yeah. don't really see that in the NFC right now. So you you right now after you beat uh, Philly on Sunday are 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. I hate that tie, but you're 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. Mm-hmm. You have four games before the bye, three at home. You've got the Cardinals at home. They, they just beat uh, San Francisco on Sunday, but they're still... One and four. They're mm-hmm. not that good. You yeah. could now. Now, I realize you lost to Buffalo, so I can't dismiss it. But the point being is you've got the Cardinals. You've got the Jets, who won on Sunday uh, and are two and three. You've got the Saints, who play tonight, and that's going to be a tough game. But that's at home. And then you've got the Lions at home. They beat uh, the Packers on Sunday. They shouldn't have mm-hmm. two and three. I'm so you, to... so you've got. I think you've got a real chance here. You should have. Mm-hmm. Because I always have to go back to the Buffalo loss before uh, you I dismiss teams. You know what, though? On the Buffalo game, games. though, I'm starting to wonder if that was just a weird... Everson it's, Griffin, it's, they it's, knew. It's, yeah, and, and it's not you know, it's not excusing them for it. It's not letting them off the hook for it because that could still end up coming back to bite them in the rear end at the end of the season. But I'm starting to look at that game now as we're a couple of weeks removed from it and just be like, that was just a weird weird Sunday afternoon that just didn't make any sense. And I don't I don't really look at that as something that could repeat itself. Yep. Like it's I know it's easy to think, well, they lost to Buffalo, so they could lose to the Cardinals or the Jets, but it's hard just, to dismiss I, it at this point, Manny. Yeah, no. I see I, what you're I, saying, I, but, but I, it's just I I don't it was just th- that game across the so, board was just so weird. So Nothing about it made sense. If you if you do what you're supposed to do going into the bye and you take three of these next four, because that's what you have to do. You, I mean, you you can't screw around anymore. Like right, you got the Cardinals, beat but the five, Cardinals, five, and beat the Jets. Five three and one is going to put you in decent shape. Yes, you're not in great shape, but you're in very decent shape. Especially with where this conference is right now, where there's really only two dominant teams. That five five and five three and one puts you right in the middle of the mix. Ding, ding. For the first and goal, Ajayi puts it on the ground. This one is to Thielen. What a throw and catch. And in the open field, Adam Thielen spins down inside the 30. All right, this team can't run the ball. I know that. But let's stop and realize this. When's the last time a Vikings passing game has been this special? They right now... The Minnesota Vikings with with basically basically Cousins, Diggs, Thielen are second in the league in passing. In five games, they've accumulated one thousand six hundred and seven yards. They are averaging through the air three hundred and twenty one yards per game. And I'm going to play this 
again. With a first and goal, Ajayi puts it on the ground. This one is to Thielen. What a throw and catch. And in the open field, Adam Thielen spins down inside the 30. 68-yard game. I'm going to ask you this. Manny Hill, when is the last time that you've seen a pre-planned Vikings play? So I'm not saying sort of a fluky desperation pass. When's the last time that you think you've seen a quarterback on this team and a receiver on this team be able to make the play? Fletcher uh, Cox, Cousins drops back to pass in his own end zone. Fletcher Cox isn't near him. He's in his face. His Mm -hmm. hands are up. Cousins can't see. Cousins launches the ball to the right sideline. Thielen beats his man. Cuts on the sideline, makes the catch, breaking away, streaks to the middle of the field, and then at the 35 puts a spin move on, and I think Joe Buck just said gets down to the 27-yard line. When is the last time that you have seen a Vikings play like that? And here's the worst part. I think we've started to almost take it for granted. You see that play, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay. That's just that's just what know? Adam Thielen does. But that's do you, just what Kirk Cousins does. Do you know how, how many years... After Moss, and aside from basically 2009, we pined for this. And it's Cousins, too. It's Thielen. It's Cousins. It's Diggs. How long we pined for the type of passing game we're now seeing? And what's interesting about this, too, and and I'll even go back to 09. I think 09 was so much Brett Favre really elevating Sidney Rice and Bernard Berrien and, and, and those guys. This is... This is different and this is not to take anything away from Cousins because Cousins has played well but Thielen and Diggs are so good that you, you they kept what were we talking about the entire broadcast yesterday the, they catch everything yes you throw anything in their direction yep if it's anywhere in their vicinity they're gonna catch it every time like if if either of them drop a pass it's like beyond shocking mm-hmm. and that's I mean I don't think we, we haven't seen anything like this since since Moss and Carter. Seriously, no, no, we haven't. Nothing. Not, I don't think I don't think not, we've seen anything close. remotely close. Nothing close. Because Favre in 09, you know, Sidney Rice had a, had a big year, but I think that was so much Brett Favre just being willing to take chances and throw things, you know, with pinpoint accuracy. This is this is Kirk Cousins throwing it up. Making some nice throws, but also just throwing it up and feeling and digs going and getting it. Well, he's making yeah, he's making great throws too. Oh yes, absolutely. I mean, th- this is, I agree completely. Sidney Rice was made by and got a huge free agent contract Favre from the Seahawks. Elevated the hell out of him because of Brett Favre. Yep. This is everybody. This is, and it's funny. This is everybody okay. elevating everybody. Here's the so here's the incredible thing, and at this point, this isn't meant to be a bash. But without seeing the number on the jersey, you can see the difference in a pass thrown to 19 or 14 and 11. I can tell when it's Treadwell. I don't even have to see Treadwell. Mm-hmm. I can tell by, if I just look at his body and how he goes to catch the ball, I'm, I, I say to myself, I don't know if this is going to be complete. And, and then I think to myself, that can't be Diggs or Thielen, right? And it's not. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I know. I know. The, That's the why way, I'm chuckling because the, it just the way that it Thielen, shows you where they're at and where Laquan Treadwell is. The way he's that, not even remotely, he's not and, even in the stratosphere of those guys. And that's not even meant to bash. That's just meant that these guys, this trio is so doggone good. In, in fact, let's do this. Let's take a break. We'll come back. And I've got some stats on the effectiveness 
of uh, Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, and Kirk Cousins. If you'd like to join the conversation, any reaction to uh, yesterday's game, 651-646-8255, 651-646-8255. Outside the Metro, 877-615-1500. The show is Mackie and Judd. Phil will join at 4 o'clock. Until then, it's Zolgad and Manny Hill. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, then. On 1500 ESPN. Quick check on your traffic. It's brought to you by the Better Business Bureau. Uh, All things uh, fairly quiet around the metro right now, except we do have one minor crash, uh, 94 eastbound. Uh, near County Road 81 in Brooklyn Park. Be on the lookout for a crash there. Uh, other than that, everything uh, moving fairly smoothly right now around the Metro. Join Better Business Bureau at the Torch Awards for Ethics. BBB's Torch Award embodies Better Business Bureau's mission of advancing trust in the marketplace. 14 businesses will be honored at U.S. Bank Stadium October 24th. Purchase tickets at bbb.org Minnesota. With a first and goal, Ajayi puts it on the ground. This one is to Thielen. What a throw and catch. And in the open field, Adam Thielen spins down inside the 30. Here's one down the seam, and that's Diggs to the two. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd Phil will join the show at uh, 4 o'clock. Until then, it is Zolged. Manny Hill and uh, Kevin Seifert, ESPN.com, will also join the conversation. We'll talk about uh, just what the heck is going on with all of these roughing the passer penalties, which aren't going away. Going into tonight's Saints game, there have been 11 of them this weekend, and we have obviously saw one of the most controversial, (laughs) Manny, with the Bennett call on Sunday, which if you're a Vikings fan, you're very pleased about. Although if you're a Vikings fan, I'd be getting a little bit concerned because you have now directly benefited in a huge way from the one on Clay in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. And the one here, there's some point in time where the Vikings are going to have a mammoth one of those go against them. Mm-hmm. Mammoth. And so, then what's the reaction going to be? Exactly. And it's crazy. So, Seifert joins at 3.30 to discuss that. So, I did a few things down. Adam Thielen. <laughs> it's just off the charts. Mm-hmm. Sunday marked his fifth consecutive 100-yard receiving game, making him Manny Hill, the third player in National Football League history with with... 100-yard receiving yards in each of his team's first five games of the season. But he's the first to do it. Think about this. He's the first to do it since the NFL-AFL merger in 1970. The other two came in 1954 and 61. So we've been in, we've spent, what now, a good 10 years in sort of this, let's get more passing, let's get more passing. Let's get more points on the board, higher scoring. He's the first one to do this. Yeah, Five consecutive games to open a season. Uh, on Sunday, Cousins combination combined Thielen and Diggs, 17 of 21. So 17 of 21 completed, 207 yards and a touchdown. Cousins, according to ESPN Stats and Info, has now completed 70% of his passes to the duo this season. 70% mm-hmm. for 991 yards, six touchdowns, and no pass thrown to them has been intercepted. <laughs> Think about that. It's off the charts, man. Seventy. So they've caught combined five games in. They have nearly one thousand yards receiving between them. They have six touchdowns. 
So Cousins is going to them all the time. They have yet to have a pass picked off. See, and during during the break, I got somebody called in that said, well, this is kind of what we saw with Keenum last year. Like, no, it's not. No, not these passes. No, nope. not not this. This nope. is this is this is off the chart stuff here. I mean, Keenum had a nice year last year and he made some good plays and obviously Thielen and Diggs were terrific last year too, but this is what we're seeing Cousins do. And this is in the middle of us being concerned about fumbling and him stepping up in the pocket and and just having more pocket awareness. Mm-hmm. This is in the middle of all that. And what he's doing right now and what these receivers are doing right now is off the charts. Yes. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yes, and he is. The fumbling is an issue, so I completely get that, and it's frustrating. And and in the Rams game, it might have cost you in an enormous way. But look at what Case Keenum's doing in Denver right now. (laughs) The Vikings, for all the criticism that we have given them for offensive line issues, for drafting a kicker, which didn't make sense, for all of the criticism that has been levied against them, rightfully so, the Cousins' decision is a thousand percent correct. Yes, a thousand percent. And what we because are, you can't, you, 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 they could not go into this year banking on Case Keenum repeating what he did last year, and he can't make these throws. No. You're right. The throws that—that's my point—is a jive fumbles. The Vikings are backed up. I think they get the ball at their own five. They go from shotgun. Kirk Cousins is in his own end zone. Fletcher Cox is literally flying into his face. And he makes a throw that I think I can say this with confidence, he can replicate. <laughs> the Minneapolis Miracle, as much fun as that was, that was replicate Mar- that. Yeah. That was that Marcus country. Williams making a boneheaded yeah. dive out of the way because I don't know what I'm doing trying to not tackle Stefan Diggs. I've got the stats right here. Thielen lead, leads the league in receptions right now. So he's he's five yards back of DeAndre Hopkins. He's got 589 receiving yards, okay? He has he leads the league with 47 receptions. Diggs is tied for six with 37. But more importantly to the stat I'm about to give you again, Thielen's 66 targets lead the league. Diggs is tied for fourth with 37. Manny Hill, that's 103. Kirk Cousins passes directed at these two and no picks. <laughs> they catch everything. And if they, they don't everything. and if they don't catch it, nobody catches it. Right. Nobody but, does. But those stats are That's off the charts. Yes. It's off the charts. I just and think, I and it, and it shows you how good Kirk Cousins has been. Mm-hmm. Despite, you know, the the flaws that we have been, you know, picking apart, the fumbling and the you know, he needs to step up in the pocket more and he needs to do all of that stuff better. But I think all things considered, I think it really, I think that those numbers you just said really show how good Kirk Cousins has been in these first five games. Yes. Yes. And, and the arm talent that he displays is special. Case Keenum had a fun year and it was a great year. But you think about, just go back. Aside from the far blip, which we all knew it was going to be a year or two at the most, just go back and think of the last time that you watched a Vikings passing game look anything like this. And I think you're right. It's around 2000. 
When, when's the last time, really, if you really, if you really thought to yourself that it was going to last, it might have been when Culpepper put together, he didn't didn't win it, but I think Peyton did. 2004 was that, mm-hmm. when Dante had the MVP-like MVP like season. Yeah. And and it was Moss's last year here. And I think Burleson had a good year as well. Jermaine Wiggins. Jermaine, right. But, but Randy was playing on a... Randy popped his hamstring like in like week six or whatever, and he was kind of a non-factor for about half of that season. But that's probably the last time, right? Yeah. I just remember... Takeaway 09, I just remember I covered the Vikings for the Strip from 2005 through 2010. And I don't think I ever saw, at least on purpose, a play as pretty as the as the Cousins to Thielen catch. Or, or at least a play that was that pretty and I thought could be replicated. Mm. Where you didn't say to yourself, well, that was a nice play, but it, it's sort of a fluke. Rice and Favre did that. Nobody else. And then uh, before we get to Seifert, let's let's play this from Zim. It's funny because uh, I think I've seen him miss one kick in practice, and um, you know he missed those 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 two early, but uh, you know there there was none bigger than that one right there because it put us up two scores. And uh, you know for him to for him to make that kick uh, is really why we brought him here. What's happened to kicking? Mason Crosby missed five. Dan Bailey, God bless him. Dan Bailey is now after he missed two on Sunday, he made three, and, and the last one that uh, Zim was talking about was the fifty-two yard field goal to basically wrap up that game on Sunday. Dan Bailey is now six of eight as the Vikings kicker. Don't forget good old Daniel Carlson in two games, one of four. So combined, they are seven of twelve. They have missed five field goal attempts. All right. Mm. Kai Forbath, all last year, not on PATs, but field goal attempts, Manny, was 32 of 38. So That's we're, actually solid. So we're five, yeah, we're five games in, and the next miss by Bailey will equal the total of missed field goals by Kai. And Bailey will miss again. Oh, sure he will. But but yesterday he missed on on what? He missed on two. He missed from 28 and 45. The 28-yard field the goal. The 28-yarders. I mean, 45, you know, guys will miss from 45 here and there. And by the way, but it was tw- a nice day. Yeah. It wasn't like uh, a rainy, soggy turf type of day in Philadelphia. I wonder about his, I wonder if he's got, I mean, because obviously being in Dallas for so many years, I mean, he went to Philadelphia every year. wonder what his numbers are in that in that stadium. I think they were pretty good, actually. That's what I would I would think they were pretty good just because his overall numbers were pretty good. But but then Mason Crosby missed five indoors. I watched it. It became difficult to watch. I <laughs> I, was, I felt bad for him. We I I do have uh, I did put together a uh, montage a montage of him missing those kicks and Tom Brenneman calling him on on Fox. It was because uh, we know we know Tom Brenneman likes to. How do you miss five kicks? He likes though? to. Uh, I I don't know. How do you miss five? The Carlson day was, was, I believe, the worst thing I've ever seen live. And before I came here to do Ventline on Sunday, I was at home watching the... Oh, and here's here's the worst part, just quick. (laughs) So I sit down at noon and turn on Red Zone, right? Mm -hmm. The greatest channel in the history of the world. Mm -hmm. Football-wise, it's the greatest thing. (laughs) The wife says, we can't watch this. They just go from game to game to game. Turn on the Packer game. I said, "What do you mean? This is the greatest ever. We don't have to watch. We don't have to watch crap. 
Because if you watch an entire <laughs> football game, it's garbage. That, right? I, I said, this will go from highlight to highlight to highlight. Yeah. She's like, this is for ADD. You can't watch this. <laughs> so she's like, tweet it out. She's like, put put it out on Twitter. And if people back you, we'll watch it. I didn't get one person backing me. I finally got one guy saying, my wife says the exact same thing. I got like two notes saying, just turn it to the Packer game. Oh, so, well, see, but see, they're just trolling you. Well, I was forced to watch it. So they're just I'm, trolling you. So because she's a Packer fan, I'm not, clearly. But yeah. because that's just the Packer fans that follow you. They're just trolling you. I was forced to watch that entire first half, basically, before I left home instead of the red zone. Because I guarantee you, though, she watches if it was if that was a page, if it was a Patriots game or something like that or some some other NFC East. They game, wouldn't have cared. They wouldn't have cared. But it was because it was the Packers. This is a woman who spends a ton of her waking hours watching live PD in which they go to about eight different <laughs> cop shops pulling over people that are so drunk they don't know their own names. Let's head over to Greensboro. Yes, that's right. Greensboro, North Carolina. And yes. See what's going on there. Yes, let's go to... And then P- after that, we'll go to Newport News, Virginia and see what's going on there. You know the show? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. But how can... She watches the... I've red, dabbled into live PD before. She watches the red zone of cop shows and then she doesn't want to watch the red zone. I mean, what do you? I said, what do you? Like, how can I be married to you? Live PD is pretty cool. She watches every incarnation of it now. It's so great. It's like the National Football League. They've oh, got it is. It's, totally, ver- it's red got, zone for law. It's cops. It's red yes. zone cops. Yes. And then they That's consolidate exactly it, it in, into a half hour show. So in case you don't want to watch the entire thing, you just get the highlights. In Greensboro, North Carolina, and then next next there's we're going a Florida to Omaha. County. Yeah. What's next- a Florida County? There's a Florida County too. Uh, I, I'm not sure. They're always down in well, Florida. Dade, you know, Miami. Dade. Yeah, they got Dade. Yeah, yeah. They've got like two. Go down Florida to Dade County. County, and then after that, we're headed to Omaha. But honest to God, I was so <laughs> proud to share a red zone experience. It's the greatest thing of all time. And she said, "Turn that. You watch live PD." Seifert joins next. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? It's <laughs> pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. Phil will join the show at the 4 o'clock. Until then, it's Zolgad and Manny Hill. And joining the conversation now, our buddy Kevin Seifert of ESPN.com. And Kevin, I sent you this note, but just to encapsulate quickly, you've got a column on on ESPN.com right now that I would term a bit Zolgadian. <laughs> I, I believe that you are, because you are Mr. Calm, I believe that you are actually starting to uh, panic a bit about the fact that the roughing the passer penalties are only are not only not going away, but we are at 11 and counting for the, this week. And uh, from what I got from your story, we are at 11 this weekend with zero of them for the weight rule. So, uh, so th- this thing continues to go strong. Yeah, I think what it points out, Judge, uh, and to be clear, I'm not panicking because it's only it's all good for me. I, uh, <laughs> yes, it is. You're right. I'm, I'm going to sleep well tonight, regardless um, right. whether the NFL is in chaos or or not. <laughs> Um, and I don't think they're in chaos, but in this particular issue, they uh, the once it became clear earlier in the season that they were going to be calling these roughing the passer uh, things, we realized that they had made a point of emphasis on the full or, or most of the body weight falling on a quarterback uh, after contact, and so they made this clarification, uh, which was designed, I think, to keep officials from calling it unless it really is. Um, 
most or all of the body weight and not incidental contact. And so those, in a lot of ways, have gone away. We really haven't seen many of those in the past two weeks, and the NFL was sort of celebrating that there was only five total penalties for it for any kind of uh, roughing the passer last week. And then uh, this week we've had 11. We still have a game tonight, and it just kind of clarifies something that I've been trying to point out, that this is not simply an issue of a narrow point of emphasis that got out of hand. This is an effort, whether it's intentional or just kind of metastasized, uh, that to protect quarterbacks from really any kind of contact while they're in the pocket um, throughout uh, the the long list of rules for roughing the passer. So, you know, we know they can't hit them high. If you hit in the head uh, or neck area, it's a 15-yard penalty. If you hit at the knee level or below, it's a 15-yard penalty. And so anything that's even remotely close to that, they are calling. We saw that yesterday in the Vikings-Eagles game. And so that, to me, is a sign that this is going to be much more difficult to fix than simply a clarification about a narrow part of the overall definition. Kevin, are we trending toward a point where, like, basically any sort of contact with a quarterback at all is just going to be outlawed or where we're going to start seeing whistles being blown like before yeah. a guy actually like hits a quarterback like I go back to the to the Derek Carr thing with the with the Browns a couple of weeks ago where he wasn't even down and the ball came out yeah but they, but they blew the play dead yeah they called the end of the forward progress yeah like I I don't I mean are we are we trending toward a, a point where this is where we're this is what we're going to see now where if a if a defender if if Linval Joseph gets within six inches of Aaron Rodgers, yeah. they're just going to blow the play dead. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it, importantly, the NFL came out late last week and said that they should not have blown the whistle on that Derek Carr play you're referencing, and that they should have allowed it to continue and for the fumble to count as a fumble, and and that they blew it too early. But I do think there'll be a leverage point at some point where they either need to pull back on these penalties that are essentially going for I don't want to say incidental contact but certainly not forcible contact which is what it's they're supposed to be uh, things that are less than forcible contact or making some kind of fundamental change in the game to where you can't hit quarterbacks I think that's far-fetched and highly unlikely to happen I mean the, the goal the goal of football is to tackle the person with the ball right <laughs> and so yeah. defensive football that's a basic uh thing we learn about football from the very beginning if if the game becomes you can tackle anyone with the football except for the quarterback when he's in the pocket then that's a pretty fundamental change now i'm not i you know a month ago i would have said that's completely ridiculous not let's not even spend a minute talking about it but if they're not able to or not willing to pull back the, the calls for the um for things that are less than forcible contact, then maybe that's something the NFL should consider and just stop with the pretense and say you can't hit a quarterback when he's in the pocket. I I can't see how that would work or how that would go over with fans or players or coaches and whether it's even doable, but they are kind of at a point where like they're hovering on penalties that are encouraging people not to hit the quarterback in any way in the pocket but not actually outlawing it. The Bennett call, where, where in your mind did that rank as far as lacking potential common sense calls. Yeah, it's up there. I mean, you know, there was probably, of the, I looked at all 11 of the ones that we've seen so far in week five, and um, there was more than a few, actually, that were like, 
cursory blows at least. And in that particular case, there was I mean, he took him down. Uh, it took Kirk Cousins down, but it was on a hit that was well above the knee, and then he slips. And so mm-hmm. whether the, the, the contact that happened below the knee was forcible or not was very um, was very uh, uh, questionable. But there was a play in Pittsburgh where um, T.J. Watt, J.J. Watt's brother, uh, you know, is trying to is, is rushing at Matt Ryan, and he kind of sli- he just slides out of the way and barely grazes his right leg. And they call that uh, roughing the passer. There was a play in San Francisco where a cornerback blitzed Josh Rosen from the Cardinals, and he kind of stopped and jumped uh, to try to deflect the pass because he wasn't going to get there, and he missed the pass. And while he's in the air, he realizes he's heading towards Rosen, and so he turns his body <laughs> sideways to try to avoid him. Right? And he ends up. He ends up. You know, oh. in addition to being an acrobat, he ends up hitting Rosen's face mask with his upper left arm, you know, like in a very nonviolent way, but it did technically hit the head and neck area while he was in the pocket. So they called the 15 yard penalty on that. So you have players who are going through dramatic uh, acrobatics to try to avoid the quarterback and they're still getting the, the penalty. And so that, so, so long story short, the Michael Bennett one was not what I would consider roughing the passer, but it's also not the worst one that I saw over the weekend either. So Mike Tomlin is mad. Coaches are mad. Players are definitely mad, especially if they play on defense. Quarterbacks, I honestly think, are confused to a certain uh, at a certain yeah. degree. But here's the key: ratings are up slightly, at least, and scoring is is definitely up and going crazy. Pri- yeah. Privately, is the National Football League getting exactly what they want, and thus very pleased because while, while there might be controversy about this. They they wanted to increase um, scoring and their quarterbacks yeah. being healthy, and so far they've done both. Right, that's the other part you mentioned. The, I mean, the really Marcus Mariota missed a uh, missed a uh, start, and uh, Tyrod Taylor missed a start. Um, there might have been one other guy. Uh, obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo on a non-contact injury, but for the most part, the league's top quarterbacks have been very healthy, um, and that has. There's no doubt that that combined with the emergence of some of the young quarterbacks. Combined with uh, you know the return to to rules that that really promote the passing game have all helped make this the first five weeks of the season really fun and exciting for the most part. And I don't think that the NFL thinks that they'll ever be not fully non uh, con- fully controversy free. I think. And in the end, they have to decide what what what, what do they think the majority of their fans want? Uh, quarterbacks he- relatively healthy and setting new offensive records or um, rules that are designed to uh, to preserve that occasionally becoming a mockery of themselves, and maybe they are okay if they if there's a handful of calls, just like they were okay for a long time with the catch rule the way it was. If there's a handful of calls that cause controversy, but really the benefits outweigh the, the negatives. And I would I would argue that while the NFL doesn't like seeing calls that are just essentially phantom calls. Um, I don't think they think it's hurting the product right now. I argued in the column today that you get to a point where, you know, and it's probably not there yet, but you get to the point where the integrity of the game is also should be a factor. You know, fans want to know that the games are, are being, that the outcomes of the games are arrived at in a relatively fair way and that the officials who are designed to, are there to enforce the rules that are supposed to ensure that games are decided fairly, that they're making calls that, uh, you know, pass the eye test and 
and aren't uh, you know aren't don't even give the the propriety um, or the suggestion that something might be uh, amiss in terms of trying to dictate the outcome of a game. And so they don't want it to get anywhere close to that. I don't think it's there yet, but I know that there's definitely people who watch these games, see these calls, and say, well, clearly the you know the the NFL wanted the Vikings to win, or clearly the NFL wanted the Cardinals to win yesterday. I don't think that was the case, but even the perception of that is really dangerous for that for the league i think and kevin is this weird that the, to hear these things be called roughing the pat like the yeah. the the michael bennett thing it, it's like it's yeah like it's like touching the passer right because it's like i see the michael bennett thing yesterday and i'm like that's roughing the pat like it's the brady rule yeah i think rough when i when i hear roughing the passer i think you know either he was hit late yeah. or he was hit too hard or he yeah. was swung around and thrown down to the turf yeah. like a rag doll like that to me is when i hear roughing the passer that's what i picture i don't picture michael bennett grazing kirk cousins yeah. on the knee and kirk kind of stumbling over and falling over on his own yeah and even if you consider that where that rule originally came from as judd said the tom brady rule right think back if you remember that hit guy came bursting up the middle and just crushed brady's lower leg to the point where the acl tore i mean it was like you know, it wasn't the hardest hit you've ever seen a quarterback take, but it was it was a very hard hit. To, Bernard Pollard, I think, was yeah, was Bernard the, Pollard, was the safety exactly for the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, exactly who it was, and it was a uh, it was avoidable, and it was ex- certainly forcible in uh, in a way in a way that that caused a serious injury. So, you know that that it, those type hits, it's I don't I'm not totally opposed to having those trying to minimize those or get them out of the game. It's the ones that only appear to be that way but actually aren't or the interpretations uh that take them far too literally that's where the issues uh concern and i don't think walt coleman's the referee yesterday in philadelphia this is not his first rodeo i don't think he just did, <laughs> no, i don't think he just didn't see it um you know or saw it wrong or used poor judgment you know he's been around too long for us to think that that's the case i i you know, somewhere along the lines, either someone is telling these referees to move the needle in terms of how they interpret it, or they're making assumptions based on general parameters that they're being given. And somehow, some way, if they want to fix this, they're going to have to figure out a way to change that needle back. Where is Roger Goodell? We haven't yeah. heard from him in months. Interestingly, he had a. They released a statement to a few media outlets last week when the when the um, the new NAFTA bill was was passed with Canada and Mexico that because and I wish I knew more of the details but in a way it it'll help benefit um, uh, sales ad sales for the NFL in Canada okay. and he put out he put out a statement praising the president Trump for for, for ushering that through of course which was, he did it was a I mean knowing all the issues that have occurred it was kind of you know the notable yeah. uh, topic but in general the fact that he has been so low profile and so out of the public eye has been really, really noticed by a lot of people. Um, I'm not sure that it's necessarily hurt the league. Um, you know, I, I would say that they, that they're, if they've made a conscious strategy effort, it's to make the game and the fun things that are happening on the field, the focus and not whatever Roger Goodell might say or didn't say. And they've done a decent job of, Taking the spotlight off of his every move, most of which was covered negatively. Yep. I don't. I don't know if that was the PR strategy or if he just doesn't really have much to say right now. So, he's, but 
it has been notable that he, you know, he's going to games, he's on the field, we see that, but there's just not been a lot of public interaction, um, at least that's been covered from the media perspective, and um, maybe that's maybe that's not a terrible thing right now. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the time as Thanks, always, Kevin. Kevin. Oh, okay, guys. All right, bye. Kevin Seifert, uh, check out his work, ESPN.com. He does a great job uh, covering the league and his uh, primary focus these days because he's a genius. I he's covering it. rules. His uh, his column posted this morning is, the NFL's roughing the passer problem is getting worse. He also has a chart that shows through uh, five weeks of this season with one game left tonight, there have been uh, 50 roughing the passer penalties called, which is on target for 166 this year. A year ago, 29 at this point, 109 for the season. Unbelievable. So it would uh, jump up from, from and in fact, two years ago, at this point through uh, week five in 2016, 26 roughing the passer calls, 92 for the entire season. Oof. 166 now. And yeah, Goodell has disappeared. I, I don't think it's a bad thing. With a search light I don't now. think it's a bad thing, but it, it's weird. Let's come back, uh, wrap up this hour from the TCL Broadcast Studios, and then uh, Phil will join. And don't forget the football hour at 5 o'clock. Matthew Collar will uh, join us in studio. Courtney Cronin as well at 5.15 as we continue uh, to chat about uh, the Vikings victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Yeah. On 1500 ESPN. Becky and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. Quick check on your traffic. Uh, everything moving rather smoothly right now, except uh, in uh, Spring Lake Park near uh, Coon Rapid Boulevard and West River Road on uh, Highway 610. We do have a stalled vehicle and a lane is blocked. So if uh, you're westbound on Highway 610, be on the lookout for that. Now, Judd Zolgad. When I uh, mentioned the name Bernard Pollard on yep. the hit against uh, Tom Brady in 2008, yep. you looked at me, you gave me that, Manny, you are such a nerd. How the hell do you remember People that? People think look. I remember, like, minutia. <laughs> I'm nothing compared to you. I always get that look when I'll bring up something about, like, the 1981 North Stars or something. Yeah. But your ability to recall minutia from a wide, a vast array is absolutely mind-boggling to me. Well, I I just remember Bernard Pollard because they called him. Remember they they gave him the nickname the Patriot Killer because of the the hit that he put on go. Brady. Yeah, and then well, because it was like a couple of different years in a row where he was involved in like a hit or a tackle that injured somebody on the Patriots. Okay, so he hit Brady that year, knocked him out for the year, and that was the when Matt Castle came out of nowhere and had that nice season. And then I think the next year was like he he hit Wes Welker or something like that and gave Wes one of his many concussions that he ended up having. Mm -hmm. And then like another year he like tackled Rob Gronkowski and injured him or something like that. Oh, so he caught the run. Yeah, well, and they gave him the nickname the Patriot Killer because it was like three or four consecutive seasons where he hit or tackled a Patriots player and caused like a major injury that kind of altered the Patriots season that you know, whatever year that was. And we do get uh, Chiefs and Pats on Sunday, correct? Uh, Next week? I, th- I, think? I think so, yeah. That'd I think that's fun. a week six game. That'll uh, be fun. By the way, baseball playoffs, Houston uh, 7, Cleveland 2 in the top of the 8th. So this series going to be 3 and done. Yep. So your Brewers swept. Mm-hmm. And that, that keeps your prediction on course. Yep. 
Uh, Houston's going to sweep. The Braves stayed alive last. The night. Braves did stay alive, so that's two. They to almost one. blew it, but they stayed. That's alive That's two last to one. Night. That's two to one, correct? Mm-hmm. That's the only series that if I and, mean if and then it's Boston, Boston and the Yankees, which I think you'll hear on this tied. station tonight, they're tied at one one. Yep. And playing. You know what's a shame? I get that they're primetime games because because of the markets. But Manny, if two teams were ever meant to start at noon, it's those two, right? If you started Boston and the Yankees at noon, you'd have a chance to get it done by seven PM. I'm I serious. Know. I know. I'm not kidding you. It's the worst. It's I get why they start late, but that's the worst primetime matchup possible. If anybody's going to play till 2 in the morning Eastern, it's it's the Red Sox and Yankees. I uh I have a unrelated uh note for you before we break here. Yeah. So per our conversation about Live PD about a half hour ago, I've now just been followed literally like a minute ago by at Live PD fans on Twitter. I kid you not. Really? So somebody was listening and hearing us talk about Live PD, and I was just followed by Live PD fans Brian, on Twitter. Brian Stensis, Star Tribune, thank you. It was Pasco County, Florida. So like when the guy's like, we're going to go to this county and that county, it's Pasco. Pasco. Somebody's always doing something. It's usually, it's usually <laughs> some guy sniffing around someplace he shouldn't be, but it's yeah. Pasco County. That's but I just go, how could my wife not love the red zone when she loves live PD, which is police red zone? <laughs> Mackie joins next. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 1. She was a city girl, but always somewhere else in her head. Somewhere where bison roam, rivers flow, and people get their hiking boots dirty. Like, actually dirty. So one day she fled west and discovered this place of beauty, history, and a delicious taste of adventure. But before she knew it, she was driving away with memories to share and the hopes of returning. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.